Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, are, we just did a segment that was so great. That Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bark at This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. What if monkeys wear baseball jerseys? I'm not sure. We'll check on that later. ESP 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Jared, and Tyler with his Houston Astros jerseys. Oh, let's start with some VGK. What a game last night. The first bite. Did the Golden Knights blow the division last night? We should have, Tyler, entered this show with our favorite uh, favorite song, We Gotta Stay Positive. Uh, that would have been cool. Um, okay, so staying positive. I don't think they blew. There we go. I don't think they blew the division, but they sure made the last five or six games really, really interesting, and I think that's a good thing. So what happened last night is exactly how you end up blowing a division lead, where you lead by two in the third period. You have a one-goal lead with two minutes to go, and you don't even – get a point out of it you give up the tying and the go-ahead goal in the final two minutes like the the minnesota wilds uh win probability was down to six percent in the final two minutes of that game and they ended up winning that game and again the golden knights didn't even get the loser point out of it they couldn't even get to overtime and get the free point point. right which is at this point in the standings yeah that'd be massive if they had that one point but those are the types of games. Those are the types of results it's going to take to blow a six-point lead that they had after they beat Colorado. And on the flip side, the Avalanche last night came back to beat the Sharks. They came from behind to beat the Sharks. They were down by two goals multiple times against the Sharks, and they came back to win that game. So you had it You had a, in both those games, there was an opportunity. Golden Knights up to the Avalanche down to that they could have extended their lead by a couple of points, but instead it shrank by two more points. And to go by uh, Money Puck, their their playoff odds, if you remember, after the Golden Knights beat Colorado, they had a six-point lead in the division. The Golden Knights' odds to win the division were over 80%. It's now 42.3%. The Avalanche are now favored to win this division the rest of the way. You know what I was thinking last night? Because when they lost, I was actually keeping track. You know, San Jose and uh, Colorado started later, obviously, because um, in the Pacific uh, time zone. So I'm watching it, and it's 3-1 Sharks, I believe, when the Golden Knights lose. So I'm like, ah, eh, let's keep an eye on this. Do you ever know? I never uh, look in arenas to know. It's not like baseball or even football where you can kind of watch scores. Do you think that's what those guys are looking at on the little iPads on the bench? Like, are they looking at ESPN, looking at scores? Because when you look at – I don't see other scores. Maybe sometimes at the Golden Knights they flash them real fast. But 
the odds are the Avalanche probably knew it happened, right? At some point in between periods, they had. Yeah, to I, I assume so. I assume somebody's letting letting their bench know, hey, yeah, they just they just blew it. They went from up two to to losing in regulation to Minnesota. So I assume they uh, knew, and I, they and came I, back pretty fast. Yeah, and I assume the Golden Knights. Well, maybe they got back to the hotel because they're staying in Minnesota. But I assume the Golden Knights went home and and watched Colorado come yeah. back and beat San Jose yes. or something to that regard. But yeah, I I assume they know. I mean, I assume both teams are, are fully aware of what the other's doing. And here's here's maybe the worst part for the Golden Knights. You have to worry about the Minnesota Wild now, too. I was, was going to say, no one's talking about that team, and they're only four out. Right. Like, you look at the division. They, they've played the same amount of games as Vegas. They're four points behind. If Minnesota wins on Wednesday... The Golden Knights suddenly only have a two-point lead over Minnesota. Now, that if you fall behind Minnesota, it doesn't change your playoff matchup. No. You'd still be in the 2-3, but you do lose home ice advantage. And yeah. as we've seen, the Golden Knights can't beat Minnesota in Minnesota. No. They've no. done it one time in four seasons, and that was in a shootout. So it's 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 an interesting race at the top here because we've kind of counted Minnesota out. I mean, hell. When they beat when they beat the Avalanche, they had an eighty percent chance to win the division. Eighty percent chance to win the division, and now all of a sudden, if they lose on Wednesday, they're 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 looking at a battle for second. They might be in third at the end of the at the end of the season. Well, it's ironic because all you, what we said is how poor and bad after you know three to four teams the uh, mighty Honda West division is, and we've said it all year. But you you, know, you just kind of became a cliche. But let's be honest, over the next week. It comes into play now because Colorado, you know, on, on the record or on the schedule has one tough game left and it's at, it's at Vegas. I haven't looked at Minnesota, but given Minnesota, given the Knights still have to play two in St. Louis, they have to play Colorado. My guess is that Minnesota's going to have an easier path. So what we've talked about all year could really come into play here these last six games. And you're right, after they beat Colorado, I don't think anybody thought that. You were you and I were both giving out numbers. Hey, Colorado's gonna have to go like what six and one, they're gonna have to lose, it can't happen. Everyone's saying, you know, they've won the division. And in one night, it's like now we're looking at schedule saying, wait a minute, who does everyone play here? Because the bottom of the division stinks so much. Like that stuff's coming into play now. Yeah, I mean, since they beat Colorado, the Golden Knights have played three games, they've lost two of them. And they had the other win come in overtime against the Coyotes. Like, they have they have played poorly. Like, they've played really poorly since they beat the Avalanche to get that six-point gap and what should have been putting the division away. But they've played poorly. And, again, they, they can't beat this Minnesota team. And that's, that's the fascinating part of this because if you look at the matchup with Minnesota, obviously they can never win there. And it's, it's been bizarre. But if you want a fun stat, the Golden Knights have an expected goals rate against every team in the West above 50% except two, Colorado and Minnesota, the two good teams. Uh, Vegas against Colorado, their expected goals rate is 46%. What's fun about that is that Colorado's expected goals rate against every other team in the West is at least 60%, meaning the Golden Knights are six percentage points better than everybody else in this division against Colorado. Colorado is dominating this division. But despite that, the Golden Knights, their expected goals rate has actually been worse against Minnesota this year than it has against Colorado because it's only 44% against Minnesota. And the best comparison, though, actually to St. Louis, who if the Golden Knights win the division, they get to play St. Louis in the first round. 
The Golden Knights' expected goals rate against St. Louis this year is 64%. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. unbelievably high how much better they've played than St. Louis this year. So if you're looking at, at potential playoff matchups, they could either play St. Louis or they could either play um, Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota's might be the worst. Minnesota might be a worse matchup than Colorado, and St. Louis is by far the best matchup they could have in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's why losing the division is going to be a big deal for this team. It's going to be a huge deal, and if they do get Minnesota, even if they have home ice, I'd give the odds of Minnesota winning one here far more than you know Vegas going and getting one there. Because obviously, if you have home ice, you you know you hold home ice, you're going to win the, the series. But I'd love to know those percentages. If it's Minnesota, they would have much better chance, in my opinion, to come into T-Mobile and get one. I mean, until the Golden Knights go to Minnesota and win a game and show that they can win there, I don't know why anyone think they would. Now, you know, it's playoff hockey, and I guess they could win both there. Crazy things happen. I mean, they scored four, They scored five goals last night. That's good and bad. It's good that they scored five goals. It's bad they couldn't let it. They couldn't hold it up. You know, if they lose last night 5-1, once, like, oh, geez, they're really in trouble. They just can't – they don't even compete there. But you're up 5-3 with, what, 10 minutes left. So I guess they go out of that and watch film today and say, look, crazy – you know, they'll make the, – you're going to give reasoning. Crazy things happen. These things happen once or twice a year. You got to move on. Still scored five. I think you have a better mindset maybe going into tomorrow night than if you'd have just gone to run out last night and it wasn't close. But still, that's a really, really bad loss. And we're going to talk about why it happened and Leonard and everything that went around of them scoring six. But as Pete DeBoer said afterwards, it happens in sports. Teams get inside your head. You have to overcome that. And by the way, when he said that, he didn't, you know, he didn't make an excuse to say that's not happening here. I mean, he said it in a way like they're in our heads. I mean, he kind of agreed. I don't know who asked the question. Might have been Brian Blessing. I'm not sure. But he said, oh, yeah, that happens in sports. And he didn't follow up with, I don't think that's the case here. He followed up with, you have to overcome that mentally. So I thought that was really interesting that he certainly didn't discount the fact that Minnesota's in their head. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's coaching a team who expects to win the Stanley Cup, and they've lost yeah. to Minnesota five straight times this year. Like that that doesn't really you don't really have teams that are that are actually going to win a championship that lose to another team five straight times. It just it, it doesn't happen. So there it, it is. There's something weird about Minnesota. And last night it should have it should have been snapped. They should have beaten Minnesota. And they didn't. The, the other part I mentioned on Wednesday, will the Golden Knights have a full lineup? Because they are now 0-4-1 in games played with less than 18 skaters. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, they played with 11 forwards. They did not have a full complement of forwards on the roster. And I talked about it yesterday. This is George McPhee's sort of roster gamble. He built a team that was right up against the salary cap. He built a team that... I mean, technically, when they're at full strength, is over the salary cap. But because you're allowed to put guys on long-term IR, because you're allowed to put guys in the minor leagues, they've been under the salary cap. The problem is every time they've had multiple injuries, they've had to play with less than 18 skaters. They've done it multiple times this year. And it's it's gone beyond that where they've played without more than two centers and they've gone and played with five defensemen. But they are not playing well. They're not winning when they're playing with less than 18 skaters. And last night, you see things like Mark Stone played the second most minutes uh, of a game this season. Mm-hmm. Alex Tuck was basically playing on two lines last night between the third yeah. and fourth yeah. line. Like The other guys on the roster get taxed more when you don't have 18 skaters. And I wonder how much that's catching up because right now... George McPhee's roster gamble is costing this team. It's costing them the one seat. Like if they had a full complement of 18 skaters in every game and instead of going 0-4-1 and 1 
in those five games, if they won one or two of those games, they're still in control of the West Division and they're still probably winning the West Division. But because they're 0-4-1 in those games, they're probably going to come in second or third in this division behind the Avalanche. How much, I think we'll get into this later, but how much did you put into Stone's comments that it'll be a little different when Reeves is out there against these guys, there'll be less chirping? Because, you know, we're fi- we're trying to find a way, and we've talked about this, you know, does Ryan Reeves even play in the playoffs? What advantage does he give you in the playoffs? You know, and we've all said, and people have said we've had on, whether it's Darren Millard or any of the writers that cover it, they all believe, nope, when he's ready, he'll go back in. Does last night really put in perspective of there's no question when he's ready, he's going back in? Well, they were winning when all the crap was happening. It's not like the Golden Knights were yeah, losing. Yeah, that's, they, I mean, I, you know, just afterwards what Stone said, it was interesting. Yeah, that, you know, it, yeah. I mean, is that, I just made me think like, is it it is automatic now when if they have that in their head you're right they are winning but if in their head mentally he needs to be out here for these reasons you know how much more percentage does that say okay he's got to play when he comes back according to DeBoer or the players also doesn't doesn't Ryan Reeves equal more chirping <laughs> like isn't that yeah. what he does he, he, he chirps more than everybody else so I guess he can stop chirping? chirping on the other side or at least try to try to uh, tame the <laughs> chirping yeah um, I mean it. I, I think it's. I, I don't think it has that big of an impact. I think it's more interesting that Mark Stone would bring it up. That Mark mm-hmm. Stone would would mention it after a after a game that they lost, not because there was chippiness after no, the whistle. No, no. A game they lost because they blew a go, a one goal lead with ninety seconds left. They yeah. gave up two in regulation. Like yeah. they lost the game because of the final two minutes, not because of anything that happened in the first two periods yeah. with chippiness. So I thought it's more interesting that Mark Stone would bring that up. At, unprompted out of the blue than it is that Ryan Reeves would actually change anything on the ice. And I just wonder real quick if that's part of them being in their head. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for things at that point, right? You're looking for things that, well, maybe he makes a difference here. It's like you're grasping. It's like, okay, how does this keep happening against the team? Well, maybe it's because Reeves isn't in. I mean, I agree with you. It had nothing to do with it. But when you come out of that, when you bring that up yourself, maybe they are in your head if you're thinking of things like that. All right, coming up next. Why have the Raiders not called to ask about Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, the exact truth is um, I don't want to wake up the next day on Friday and see Aaron Rodgers, um, one of the best quarterbacks in this league, traded without doing any due diligence on it. So I just called Matt and asked him if there was anything to it. And Matt told me I'd be wasting my time if if um, we had Lynch call. And so Lynch did not call anyone the next day. But, yes, I did reach out to Matt the night before and asked him if it was, hey, man, I don't want to wake up the next day and – see that Aaron was traded for something I didn't at least look into it and so that's what I did with Matt and he gave me a very quick answer so <laughs> I, I didn't even tell John to call Goody um, so I think that was worked out I guess we were happy to get our guy and hopefully it'll work out for them it's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas 1100 a.m. and 100.9 f.m. so you hear Kyle Shanahan head coach of the 49ers, talking about uh, a conversation he had with Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach, about Aaron Rodgers. And then we had a report yesterday uh, from the Packers saying that they only got one trade call asking about Aaron Rodgers. They said no, and, and that was the end of the conversation. So to bring this to Las Vegas... There was a report that Aaron Rodgers would uh, like to be traded to one of three teams, the 49ers, the Broncos, or the Raiders. Uh, so I guess we're, we're kind of inferring here, but it doesn't sound like the Raiders have called to ask about Aaron Rodgers. And 
my question would be why not well i i don't know if they haven't because of the whole weird due diligence uh or you know what was it um it was they're doing their uh they're weighing all options weighing all options so i don't know if that entailed i assume weighing all options means at some point you have to pick up the phone because you have to before you weigh your options on your side you have to see if there's any life on the other side i mean you don't sit there for three weeks weighing your options and you haven't called them and you call them and say no chance like well i wasted three weeks weighing my options um you know when mike mayock said after the first round i was like well he's under contract i can't talk about him it doesn't mean you didn't reach out to him i actually thought um lynch was the one commenting at, at during the draft like we reached out so everyone assumed it was him now shanahan so it's no it was me um more than anything, and I don't know if we can confirm this, maybe we do a little reporting afterwards. More than anything, I want the call from the Raiders to have gone from Deuce Gruden to the weight guy at the, uh, the, the weightlifting guy at the Packers. Because if you can tell me that the Deucer reached out to the strength and conditioning coach of the Packers and that guy laughed him off and that was weighing all your options, then I might just retire at that point. <laughs> Is that that's how things get done around around the yes, Raiders facility? Yes, is yes. Deuce, Deuce, you're the key. All the Packers, you're yes. the key. Get it done. Um, Are we I, all set on the nickname Deucer? Uh, we're gonna let we're gonna let Ed do that. Um, hey, okay. It's a hockey nickname. Stop it, Deucey. Deucey, yes, if it's a hockey, yes. Ed has taken uh, John Gruden's son's nickname and given it a different nickname yes. because that is absolutely what needed. Did we, to be done. did we determine it was a nickname or I thought his first name actually was Deuce? Ah, uh, I can't be right. Oh. All right, I'm on oh, it. Oh, it might be. It might be. Do really? you think they actually I mean, named Deuce? Can't, can't they have not? I mean, seriously, when you say weighing all your options, like at first, maybe, look, maybe it wasn't uh, Mayock calling the GM. Maybe it was like the Niners did. It was a secondary guy, whether it's Gruden, whoever, reaching out and saying, look, is this worth it? I don't know how, Tyler, I don't know how you weigh your options unless you know the guy's really available. Yeah, like it's, here's the it thing. It makes sense. If, you, if you're the Raiders and all of a sudden there are reports that Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play for the Green Bay Packers, you should probably call the Green Bay Packers. And yeah. then if there's another report that says Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded to one of three teams, and you're one of those three teams, you, ha you have to call. Like, it doesn't matter yes. how yes. much you love Derek Carr or how much that would change your plans. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP last season. Aaron Rodgers is the franchise quarterback, the type of quarterback that you need to win a Super Bowl. And so if if he's available, you should be everyone should honestly be calling to ask. And if you're one of the teams named of hey, we can or he wants to go there, you have to call. And for, because listen, if you call the Packers, they they say no and hang up, that's fine. Oh, okay, whatever. No yeah, big deal. But if, if you call them and they say, well, we've got to consider this now, you you need yeah. to get a price on it. Like, you need to understand what it would cost you, an idea of what it would cost you to get Aaron Rodgers. Because yeah. the other big problem for the Raiders is one of the other three teams is the Denver Broncos. And we talked about yes. it last Friday. Yeah. If, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Denver Broncos, the Raiders might as well tank for the next four seasons 
because they're not winning this division. They're not going to even be in the top two of this division. They'd be lucky to finish anywhere but last in this division for the next four seasons. So, like, there is zero reason for the Raiders not to reach out and ask about Aaron Rodgers. And I want to reiterate a point you just made because I got the, well, one of many emails the other day saying, you hate Derek Carr? It's like, no, I don't hate Derek Carr. When it comes to this specific uh, situation, as you just said, Derek Carr has nothing to do with this situation. They could love him as much as more. They could be considering extending him. They could think he's still the guy, which is all the things they say. And if you can get Aaron Rodgers, you go get Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's one of the few times where your quarterback, especially a top 10, 12 quarterback, we're not talking about a guy who's not a good quarterback, has nothing to do with the narrative. Nothing. If you, because that, that, I truly, truly believe that. It's do you want to pay the price for one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived who's the MVP? And obviously, if you do that, you're moving on from Carr, but you would have moved on from anyone except, I don't know, Brady. I mean, you know, there's so many few people who are even in this conversation. So we should make that clear. It's, I don't think it's because we're bashing on Carr. I think it's because he has nothing to do with this. I mean, you don't consider him. You consider, can we get the MVP and a guy who over the next three or four years, maybe until his low 40s, can put you in a position to make a deep playoff run? That's all this is about. It has nothing to do with Derek Carr. Right. Aaron Rodgers is one of the few players that can make your team a Super Bowl contender without really any other changes to the roster. And if you have a chance to get him, you get him. We talked about it with Carr, where – you're not winning a Super Bowl because of Derek Carr. You could win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. He's a good right. quarterback, but you're not winning a Super Bowl because of right. Carr. You could win a Super Bowl because of Aaron Rodgers. And if the cost is whatever, you know, if, if the pa- listen, if you called the Packers and they said, well, we got to consider it and we want two first round picks. You're making that trade immediately. Absolutely. You're not every you're not ha- you're not hanging up the phone until it's done. So yeah. that that's why you have to make the call, and it's not because of Derek Carr. It's because Rodgers is one of the few quarterbacks that everyone should be serious about acquiring, except for you know maybe two or three teams in the NFL. So it it has nothing to do with Carr. Carr is irrelevant in the conversation. It, you know, it's it's even we talked about it this offseason with Deshaun Watson and how if you're the Raiders, you should be trying to get him and Russell Wilson at one point. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is is even on a different level than those two. Aaron Rodgers is far and above those two guys that you, that the, the Raiders should consider trying to get if they're available. So, like, that's how big of a difference it would be to have Aaron Rodgers on this team. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I think, look, I don't think we've talked about this. I don't think he goes in the NFC. I think they'd be stupid to do that. There's no point in keeping him in your conference. And And, again, if you face him again, you're in the Super Bowl, so you're probably okay with that. If I'm every AFC team, what did Miles say today? Obviously not Brady, maybe not Buffalo, but you can't get to three or four fingers in your hand and not say, if I'm in the AFC, even if I saw that list of Raiders, Denver, I'm like, well, we're in the AFC, whatever it is, why not call? What, okay, the conversation lasts two seconds, but like you said, maybe it lasts a little longer and you're on the phone with them. So if I'm in the AFC, I don't care who you are except for maybe a few teams, I'm calling them. I, I, yeah. I just, I, Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's it's a list of maybe three teams. I mean, even if you're yeah. the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you're calling to ask about Aaron Rodgers yeah. because Aaron Rodgers is better. Than, you're you're yeah. hoping Justin Herbert one day could be Aaron Rodgers, and no, yeah. you'll take the Aaron Rodgers right now. All right, yeah. coming up next, Desiree Reed Francois joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. 
But again, Shakel gets in for the putback. It's no good. Flynn then tries, and now Mitchell tries, and the Rebels get called for a foul. Did Mbake just foul out? Yeah. Mbake just gets fouled out, and TJ is really upset. Really upset, and I don't blame him. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. And Lon Kruger, Joining us now is the athletic director from UNLV, Desiree Reed Francois. Desiree, good morning. How are you today? Desiree. Good morning, gentlemen. And I am in uh, in the car drop-off line, so you also get Jackson Francois for the next oh. 30 seconds. Oh, that's, he might be better. That's great. Because be I was going to ask you later in the interview, and, you know, Jackson's there. I mean, he got the big job last week, a little bump in the uh, salary. Jackson's going to get a new pair of shoes. He's in there asking you probably for some new high tops or something. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> well, you know, most 16 and a half year old uh, young people will ask their parents for a car or at least part of the down payment. But uh, Jackson Francois will not be doing that. And you're probably wondering why. Is, oh, he's hurrying up and getting out of the car um, yeah. because Jackson Francois can't pass his driver's test. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is this is yeah. that is brutal. That is absolutely brutal, Desiree. <laughs> To, to put he, that he literally on the radio. jumped out of the car and he's like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but how oh, are you, gentlemen? Poor chance. We're good. Parent thing to do. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, oh, yeah. You he know can't what? fail his driver's test. The streets test. of Las Vegas, if you had seen my child drive, um, the streets of Las Vegas are so much safer with Jackson not on the street. So I'll just oh, leave it with that. We should have Ed train him. Yeah, I was going to say, we got Ed, Ed passed his driver's test somehow. Yeah, and Ed's probably the worst driver passed. on the planet. Jeez, I'm worried about the kid. <laughs> so, I think it's genetic because neither Josh nor I are actually very good drivers either. But um, anyway, I digress. Thank you for having me on. So Desiree Francois with us. Uh, Desiree, so you get an extension through 2026. Are we going to stop seeing your name and reports about other uh, athletic director jobs now? Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, that's always... Um, it, that's always interesting. It's kind of embarrassing, um, but it's a testament to the good work that the folks at UNLV are doing. And it, it's always amusing when all that speculation is out there, but I am just very enthused to be here at UNLV and, and have, um, have a great president and President Whitfield and the privilege to work with the people that I do in a community that, that we really love. Uh, when you thought about this in terms of, you know, getting the extension and wanting to stay here, because your name has been in a lot of lists uh, and specifically Power 5 lists, like we talked about this last week, like everyone wants to, you know, achieve certain status in their professions, uh, us included, everyone wants to get to a certain point. Is it wrong, though, while being happy here to aspire to a Power 5? Like, is that something in your mind that down the road you'd like to do, or is that something you don't think about in this moment? Uh, first of all, when my name is thrown out there, um, it doesn't mess, it doesn't mean I'm a candidate, right? Um, right. It, it's just it, it's nice that people appreciate the work that our team is doing here. Um, in terms of UNLV, I've, we've been here four years and we have a great foundation. We've made progress, but there's still work to do. Um, and so I'm I'm really enthused about about UNLV and our community, and and we're just we're really happy and. 
and I'm fired up for the football season. I'm fired up for the caravan, for basketball. Uh, yesterday, we delivered donuts on campus, and seeing the camaraderie amongst our coaching staff, uh, and it's always nice to introduce Lindy LaRock to folks, and it was Lindy and Kevin, and, and to introduce Lindy is the reigning Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. So we've We've made um, we've made some some great strides, but there's still a lot of work left to do. Uh, so, a, a generalization or, or characterization of the Desiree Reed Francois era at UNLV is that the academic uh, side of things have been maybe the best they've ever been at UNLV for student athletes. That the uh, a lot of your hires, when you look at softball or volleyball or women's basketball, have been excellent, and a lot of the Olympic sports have been phenomenal but football and basketball haven't seen that success. So as an athletic director, like how much does it pain you that, that maybe everything else seems to be going extremely well, but the two things that people put the most focus on haven't been good enough? Well, first of all, it's really um, it's about our team, and it's not just about me. Um, so it's, it, it, I'm humbled to be a part of this, this team at this point. So uh, it's, Please don't call it the Desiree Francois era. That sounds uh, horrifying. Um, but, no, we're really proud of what we've been able to achieve in the classroom. Um, many of our sports have, are really on a, on a path to where they need to be and are achieving some great success, but there's still room to grow. Football is one. You mentioned football and men's basketball. Uh, football is one that it takes a little bit of time. Um, and I know I – if we're going to keep score, we might as well win. But the winning is the byproduct. You have to have that strong foundation to achieve that lasting success. And that's what, we're, that's what Coach Arroyo and his team are, are doing. I'm really enthused when you look at the recruiting success. Over the past decade, we had averaged, before Coach Arroyo, we had averaged, um, I think, eight in our conference when you look at recruiting rankings. Marcus's first class was top in the conference, number one in, in, in one uh, and number two in another. And then his second class was, was, was top two. So we're making some great strides, but it takes, it takes, uh, sorry, I'm being honked at. Um, it takes, uh, it, it takes a little bit of time. Um, in terms of men's basketball, this, you know, TJ, his first year, he came in second in the conference and, there was a lot of good momentum. The second year, the results weren't necessarily what everybody wanted, um, but he still was building that foundation, and we were optimistic for the future. But I understand when your dream job calls, and that's what Iowa State was with his ties with his wife and where they started their family, we understand. Um, but then we went and we looked, and succession planning has been really what we've been trying to do. Uh, and Kevin, he earned that opportunity. He played here at UNLV, as you all know, um, and he's really he's hit the ground running. I'm, and I'm very enthusiastic of what of the direction of men's basketball. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to characterize that football and men's basketball aren't on a pathway to success because they are. Well, I mean, come on! Now that Arroyo showed he had a personality with a dunk tank, the sky's the limit. <laughs> Kidding me? Got a dunk tank? Were, were, were you in that dunk tank? That did, did, they throw, did they put you in the dunk tank? We already know you have a personality. Did you put? Did you get in the dunk tank? 
I know, I know. You know, I I did not get. I was there and I saw it, and I love. It was so much fun to watch, and they had this whole little thing going where no matter what, I think Marcus was going to get. Someone was going to be able to play make sure he landed in the dunk tape. But no, Coach Arroyo has a great personality, and the energy out there at spring ball was just contagious. Our defense looked really strong. Um, there's there's some cool. There was just a lot of good energy, and and I'm really excited about the future. I know it's a few months away, and I know the actual answer is uh, we're going to wait and see. But are you hoping to have uh, full capacity crowds for football games this fall? Yes, we really are. And we've doubled our season ticket base. Um, the, we, uh, it, there's a lot of momentum right now. Not, Allegiant Stadium is the premier stadium, I think, in the country. And so it's an opportunity for us to really showcase that and experience what – what a crowd feels like. I am really optimistic, and I understand if trend lines change and if it's unsafe and unhealthy for, our, for us to all gather, then we understand and we'll pivot. Um, we've had, you know, 420-plus days of pivoting. But right now we're cautiously optimistic that we'll be, able to have, um, we'll be able to have all of our fans there and we can celebrate together. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, are you still part of the Baseball Selection Committee? I am. I am. Okay. Yes. So when you're you're in those meetings and you see that, not just baseball, but softball, uh, volleyball, we saw what Don Selvin was able to do. Did you, uh, even on your, uh, you know, your previous stops, when you're on something like that, does it give you appreciation for Olympic sports in terms of getting in, say, regionals and kind of building, like you said, a full program while basketball and football are the most important sports, but how important is it to get to in, say, regionals and all your other sports? Absolutely, and thank you for asking the question. Um, all of our students, we have 515 student-athletes. Our goal is for every student-athlete to have a championship experience during their tenure at UNLV. And while men's basketball and football are obviously um, high attention, our, that's our revenue sport, all of our sports matter. And I know what it's like to be, um, to be an Olympic sport student-athlete, although I was never a good one, and... And I know what it's like to be at those – gosh, being at the College World Series is so incredibly special. It's one of the best sporting events of all time. It's college sports at its purest, and the whole community gets together, and it is so special. Have you guys been? I have not, uh, no. no. Not not live. Oh, no. my gosh. You have got to go to Omaha, and you will – like, you will – are words never said, uh, but Omaha is one of the coolest cities, and the College World <laughs> Series is a phenomenal event. Put it on your bucket list. Um, I do have I do have one basketball question for you. Last year, the schedule got blown up. Um, you guys were supposed to play UCLA, SMU, Cal. Are those games back on the schedule? Are those series pushed back a year, or how are those games being handled as, in regards to your schedule? Yes, we're going to we are fulfilling those. Um, those are each back ends of a home and home, and so we will host UCLA. We're hosting Cal, and we are, if memory serves, we go back to SMU. Okay, so th- so those are and simply just pushed back a year after the pandemic, right? Yes, uh, we still are. I believe we're still finalizing uh, one of those three dates, if memory serves. Real quick then on football, uh, actually Arizona State and Iowa State have seen uh, Iowa State many having the top 10 this year. Arizona State's a top 25 program. How much, if at all, will Allegiant 
uh, change football scheduling in that I think with UNLV in the past, it's been a good mix of, okay, power fives, but you can't play four, five, four straight power fives. That's not, that's not realistic in terms of getting your team ready for the Mountain West. But how much has Allegiant changed you in terms of you don't have to do one-offs on the road. You might actually get these type of teams to keep doing home-and-homes because now they're coming into an NFL stadium. It's an attractive venue, that's for sure. And scheduling, I think we're scheduled out to 24 right now, at like fully scheduled. And, you know, lots of people want to come to Las Vegas. It's a great community, and we have a premier stadium. So this is, it's an attractive place for home and home. We try and, we're going to try and do one power five uh, per year, and then another, um, and then obviously our conference, and then we're kind of working with um, available dates. And, and figuring all that out. But, no, we do – Allegiant Stadium makes a UNLV football home-and-home home, um, an event, and it's a great opportunity. And scheduling has – we've become a little more attractive. Uh, last one for you, Desiree. You guys have your uh, virtual caravan this month. Today, four of your coaches are going down to Las Vegas Motor Speedway to race who is the who would win? Marcus Arroyo, Kevin Kruger, Lindy LaRock, or Don Sullivan? Who's the best driver of those four? Well, we know it's not Jackson Francois, so he won't be doing that. Um, I, you know, I am not sure. Uh, Don Sullivan, though, she's from what I've heard, she's going to get there a little early, and so those are four pretty competitive coaches. So. I don't know. Uh, the last time I checked, car racing is not an NCAA sport, so I think technically we could bet on it, not saying that I'm advocating for it at all. Um, but, but no, in all seriousness, this is a, in the month of March. That's a big fundraising uh, for scholarship month for us. And then in the month of April, we try and do community service. Every team, every unit, from our compliance unit to our business office, um, our football, our basketball, every team, every program does a community service event throughout the month of April. And then the month of May is our third annual caravan. So we have 21 events in 21 days, and we're really excited. And it's a way for us to just highlight our, all of our programs. And it's, we, look, we try and have diverse offerings. And so today is yesterday we delivered donuts. Today it's car racing. And then we even have an event. You know, we have something unique with um, Al and Lindy LaRock, and then Kevin and Lon Kruger, and so we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like uh, growing up with a with a coach as a dad. So there's some cool programs, and we're excited for our community to really uh, to hear from our coaches. and And we miss our community. It's just been so long since we've all been together. So we're looking forward to it. Well, we have made Don Sullivan the favorite to win that race on your inside information that she will get there early. Um, thanks, Desiree. We appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Desiree. Thank you all. See you now. Thank you. So oh, there is yeah. Desiree Francois. Come on. Um, that Jackson kid, you know he's got to be asking for some stuff. Oh, she, she Mom gets just, up. You got to get something out of it, don't you? You got to get the shoes or something. Boy, she called the kid out on T on Oh, my God. He can't pass it. Oh, my. That is brutal. Like, that is something you make fun of with, like, you know, his uncles or something, his yeah. aunts. But, man. Oh, on wow. the radio, just he can't I, pass the driver's test is brutal. Well, that's how I mean, I, I'm okay with it because I found a worse driver than me in Vegas, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, except <laughs> even he's though, 16, even though, Ed. Yeah, I know. The, I was going to say, he's got a little less experience, so he, I'm probably still worse for the kid, worse than him, but eh, ask for some shoes, buddy. He's, he's great on Twitter. Uh, great kid, and uh, he's, I guess the driving can improve in time. 
All right, coming up next, UNLV football might have a starting quarterback. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. With him being that upset shows me just how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? I mean, he's a three-time MVP in the league, and he's worried about this guy they drafted last year at number one. And for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Pittsburgh drafted... Mark Malone, number one, Cliff Stout in the third or fourth round. I had I had him coming at me from all angles. Uh, I embraced it because when we went to practice, I wasn't worried about those guys. You know, it didn't scare me a bit. So I don't understand why he's so upset at Green Bay. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. It's not a great feeling when I agree with Teddy Bradshaw. Teddy? Terry Bradshaw. Sorry. I don't know who I, I don't know why I called him Teddy. Well, I don't, t- I, him and Teddy Bridgewater do often get confused. Is- <laughs> um, very similar builds. Um, I, don't, I just don't feel good about myself agreeing with what Terry Bradshaw well, okay, says. We're but- like, no, no, you should be wrong, but I... I you sound right. He also came in to that team when they had one of the greatest defensive lines of all time, and immediately they drafted Lynn Swan and Stallworth, and so he immediately had two weapons. Like, he, they, he was in a completely... Yeah, they draft quarterbacks, but they also drafted you weapons, Terry. Yeah. yeah he's got Devontae Adams. Franco! They Here, here's it. Okay, here's the other thing about Aaron Rodgers. People always criticize the Packers for not taking wide receivers in the first round since he's been there. But if I was the Packers and I had Aaron Rodgers, I would only ever draft defensive players because Aaron well, Rodgers makes guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling look useful. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. the the benefit of Aaron Rodgers is you shouldn't have to give him a number one wide receiver. He'll he's, make bums look good. So I'm drafting defense every year. He's uh, he's just like Brady in that way. They, they take no names or guys who are, you know, essentially no names on boards or whatever and make them into thousand yard receivers. That's why, you know, Devontae Adams is obviously a great player worked out, but you know, he's had some guys on that team where you're right. If they're on any other team, like, you know, they're, you know, no offense, but they're Zay Jones. Like they're a guy like, is that guy going to do anything? And, and, and he'll take, you know, he'll take someone like that and, and, and they'll be great. So, you know, you're right to, to keep saying he needs weapons. He's one of the few people who don't need weapons. You know, there's I, very few of them, Brady, him, and, you know, Mahomes, you know, Mahomes is kind of gifted with really good receivers too, but he could probably make guys better. Um, but you're right. I don't, I mean, the, 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 the insinuation of Packer fans that he needs more weapons around him. I was like, do you know who your quarterback is? I, okay. Like, I have gotta, you watched him at all? I got to disagree because Brady did his best damage when he had Gronkowski and Randy Moss. Okay, but but there have been there have been other guys over the years where he's made better. Oh yeah, no, the tiny white yeah. guys, yes, absolutely. Yes. We will all agree that he has made tiny white wide he's, receivers yes. into he's, an art. He's form. the best at making those guys good. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams. He had the guy that everybody said was like one of the top four receivers in football last year. Like it's not like he doesn't have a really yeah. good weapon. He might not have a good second weapon, but he does have a really good wide he receiver. He needs Jordy. I just, uh, I, 
I don't know. I feel gross siding with the team, but I, I, I think I do. Like, I think uh, I do. This, this real quick, um, it appears we are uh, very popular in the carpool line at Bishop Gorman High School <laughs> because I don't want to give anything away, and I'm not saying this happened, but young Jackson Francois might have been, been chided a little by the students about his <laughs> not passing of the driving test. And I think... You know, lovable mom might have might have told him then pass the test. Oh, God, this Lord. kid gets no breaks at home. Poor Jackson Francois. God, his mom's his mom's important, and she just takes oh. the time to put him on blast on the radio. <laughs>